0: Chase Thomas podca- the Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it.
1: All right, it's Friday afternoon, so you know the Atlanta sports guys have reconvened because, let me check my notes here, the Atlanta Hawks play on Friday night in the playoffs for the 93rd consecutive Friday of my 2021 life. I am joined by fellow Atlanta sports guys, Max Markovich, Max good.
0: Afternoon, sir. How are you? Oh, what a Friday. What an <laughs> afternoon.
1: I'm also joined by Garrett Chapman. Garrett, good afternoon, sir. How are you?
2: Oh, it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. The Atlanta Hawks are taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. Game two. I'm so ready for this. Oh, man, it's a great day.
1: I've already penciled this one in as a loss, guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what are we, what are Boom. we doing here? <laughs> no,
1: no. Well,
0: Hey, you, no, need, you need to apologize first and foremost.
1: Well, oh, I know. Max Honestly. is just chomping at the bit over here.
0: I, I still think, look,
1: love this run. It's all been great. It's all it's all been great. <laughs> the Hawks are not winning this series. And I think the faster, like I, I, I'm going to die on this hill. And I, I, just, I, I just, I'm waiting for the bottom to fall out. Like I read the Jackie McMullen piece on Trey and Nate, which I want to get y'all's perspective on if y'all had a chance to read it on ESPN.com, where it kind of speaks to what I was saying, where like Trey gets Nate and Nate gets Trey and all that kind of stuff. But um, I don't know. I think the Bucks still have a lot more upside. Where I was watching this game where I was like, I still trust Drew, Middleton, and Giannis, and Brooke, and Connaughton more over a seven-game stretch than I do the Hawks guys. Like, I just – I am concerned uh, – I am concerned that this team is going to run out of gas. Maybe it's just watching a lot of Tennessee baseball the last few weeks and watching that staff <laughs> run out of gas. Maybe it's just uh, watching just different things, and I, I don't know. I I'm concerned that the bottom will fall out because Trey is not Trey's not doing 48 and 10 again. Like that's that's probably not happening. Will he do like 30 and 10? Yeah, probably somewhere around there. But we've saw in the Sixer series. We've seen in other games in the past two series where it's like he's not attacking if he's getting shut down whatever they need Herter to have the 29 point game they need bogey to have the 30 point game they need gallo to go six for seven from three they need those kind of guys and it was a great john collins game in game one i don't think that will continue um i don't know why well, I, I i'm concerned i this it, is ridiculous i want it all to win See, and that, i know that max wanted me to come in here and apologize for a lot of different things and max
0: i wanted you to apologize for one thing okay. and i want to start there actually mm-hmm. i And this is not specific to you. I'm just picking on you because, um, you know, it was a legitimate thing to believe that Trey wasn't um, built to be a winning player in the long run. Like, I understood where that fear came from. Um, But it's patently false. And, like, we're seeing it unfold before our eyes in ways that I don't think any I don't think even Garrett and I could have possibly expected. Um, And so, you know, there are lots of, you know, national media types who are saying, oh, Trey's a completely different player. Like he's evolved, he's improved, all of which is true. But all those people were also freaking wrong, man. Like he's 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 a superstar, but he's also a superstar who elevates in the playoffs and is turning this team, which I, I also understand your fear about this team running out of gas because they're incredibly shorthanded. Um But he, he you know, he's he's carrying this team to heights we, we didn't expect to see his entire career no less in you know year three so that's that's really where the the you know anger comes from not from believing the bucks are gonna win this series because i also kind of sort of believe that so
1: yeah it's just, well, just a like we're playing team. with fool's gold right like this is farther than any of us could have ever dreamed they would have gotten and trey is here for the next couple of years and he's happy and he's content so it's just like no they spent money they got hunter coming back next year they got cam healthy hopefully we see him a little bit my guy cam reddish in the series let's let us hope um i don't know i think this is a good building block where it's like there's there's no expectations like every game is just like oh we won game one awesome so i just go into everyone just being like this is cool didn't see this coming but like i'm not gonna be mad if they lose in five like i'm not gonna be mad if they lose in seven um, will it be cool if they make it to the finals? Absolutely, but I still think like it's a colossal failure if the Bucks can't get through this depleted Hawks team. Like with their group and the amount of money they spent, like it's a colossal failure from the Bucks if they avoided the Nets' uh, debacle the way they did to only lose to the Hawks in the next round. I just think uh, that's just code red. That's an all time disaster for them.
2: See, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to use that term "fool's gold" that you that you mm. used. I mean, it's it's house money. I mean, that, that's probably a little bit better. But, I mean, because you, you're right. I mean, I don't think anybody. Well, I was saying fool's expected, gold in terms of like I don't think this is re- I don't think this. Well, is, the expectations, help, Expecting right. the team is 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 to do that. Okay, I get that. But and and to go to your point about the Milwaukee Bucks, yes, Middleton's probably not going to go over nine from three again tomorrow. But Drew Holiday is also not going to go for thirty-three points. I mean, I, I just don't see that happening, mm. uh, especially with him having to guard Trey Young. He's not going to be able to do that on the offensive side and on the defensive side unless he wants Trey Young to just run wild again um, because Trey found his floater. And as soon as he found when he finds his floater, this entire basketball team is just elevated And because he's able to get into the lane. He's attacks the basket and then he has two options, both of which are lethal. He can throw it up to John Collins or Clint Capella or he can go up for the, the, the floater himself. Uh, and if neither of those are there, and say I don't know, people drop in and close in and try to close off those options, he hits somebody for a three because we just have so many playmakers. Which honestly, do we though? Hold on, but, when you say but, we yes, have so many playmakers, who are the playmakers
1: outside of Trey and Herder right now?
2: Well, three point shooters. Bogey Bogdanovich had a bad game. He's, he's hobbled hurt. by that knee. He's hobbled yeah. by that knee. But I don't expect he's, him. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like Bogey's yeah. out. God, I just but, it kills but, me. Wait, wait, but Kevin Herder, John make- Collins, cause... both those
0: guys can shoot from the outside.
1: Mm-hmm. Can but I? Every
0: night. There are adjustments that we should probably talk about that Bud mm. might or might not make. But before we do that, did you all see um, what Draymond Green tweeted during last game? I did not. He tweeted, and I thought it was such a succinct way of saying what I've been feeling. He tweeted, these Hawks are unbothered. That's a great thing to have mm-hmm. in the playoffs. It's actually a thing. And it's, it's, it's such a mm. simple way of putting what I've been feeling where it's like, you know, it's not just like finding a way to win. It's like th- this team, you know... Is, is is so young that it doesn't know it doesn't belong and, yeah. and and for to have someone like Draymond say that where it's like it's actually a thing like that's not some like media trope that gets bandied about but it doesn't actually matter like that is a thing we're talking about the, the Sixers that were a mentally fragile team we're talking about the Bucks who if we're honest are probably a mentally fragile team um and, and you can talk about how of course the Bucks should win this series of course they're the better team as currently constructed the Sixers also should have won that series mm-hmm. but there's something with this Hawks team that's real. And like I, I love the way Draymond put that. And, you know, if they make the right adjustments and they run the right offense and they do all the right stuff, the Bucks should win this series. But I'm not willing to say that's inevitable. Like I, I until no. I see something that indicates that A, the Hawks are gonna be knocked off this perch, or B, the Bucks are ready to go grab it. Until I see one of those two things, I'm not gonna go ahead and say this is this is over, like this is inevitable. It's not. And, and the Bucks have been here
2: for the last two years. Well, this is the third year in a row that they've, they've gotten to this point. Two, two out of the last three years, they've faltered at this point. And they find some reason to, to kind of flop on the ground and fall over and and, and keel over. That's why Bo- Coach Budenhauser on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. And actually going back to that uh, that McMullen article that you referenced earlier, mm-hmm. um, the, the three C's of Nate McMillan. I think are, are fantastic, and I've, I've I've heard this probably four or five times this week, and this is just the most recent time. It's calm, clear, and connected, mm. and I think that is the Nate McMillan mantra, and that's why this team has played so well down the stretch. I mean, you look at their record in uh, in, in games decided by three points or less, they're four zero. Games decided by seven points or less, they're six and one. Because this team is calm, and they, and they know what they can, what they have to do to succeed, and and look. When you have a team playing with that silent confidence, um, where, where Trey Young can shimmy on a guy and drain a three, it, they're just so confident. They believe in themselves. And, and and that's a team that I can get behind. It's a team I love to support. And it's a team that I believe can beat this Bucks team because I don't believe in this Bucs team. I didn't believe in that 76ers team because those teams fall apart when the going gets tough. Kevin, I mean, like that that Nets team, I mean, they got hurt. If, if that Nets team didn't get hurt, this Bucs team wouldn't even be here. Right. So, and... and I, I just don't believe in the Bucks. I believe in the Hawks, even if they're hurt.
1: Mm. That's my biggest thing is the Hawks. It's just the injuries piling up bogey Hunter. And then just the inconsistency you're going to get because Collins and Herter are role players. Like that's part mm-hmm. of the deal. Like when they're on, it's so much fun. Like when Herter is shooting lights out, it's so much fun, but there are also the games where he's missing bunnies around the rim where you're just like, I don't even know how that just rolled out of the cylinder. And I I don't know what uh what to make of that where he's had the Ophers and then you have the John Collins experience sometimes where yeah the double drag stuff's cool, but I mean he he has had goose eggs in the postseason. Like he is a role player. Um Trey has to do a lot to keep this team afloat now. And that was great in game one and it worked, but I I'm going to guess that it's going to continue to wear on him. Like he he is asked to do an insane amount to keep this Hawks team afloat. And I just think the depth is going to continue to hurt this group. Like depth has been the king of this postseason thus far. I think um, just seeing the amount of injuries piling up uh, across the board and who's going to be the healthiest at the end is the biggest thing. And I mean, the Bucks lost to Vincenzo, but I mean, I don't know. I just think, this is going to be interesting to monitor to see when they, like, if they try and throw out Cam because they're running out of options because Solomon Hill is just a negative. And, um, like, I, I would just guess that Collins' the negative tonight. Like, he, when, when in this postseason has he had back to back great games? Does anyone remember? Like, has he had one where he's just well, been dominant well, back to back
2: games? Seven well, played, game seven, he played pretty well. No, but I'm saying game six, game he wasn't. Pretty well. I
0: think, uh, I think we're. Le- but well, I think it. we're learning. I think we're learning about Collins that he can be a positive without without filling the stat sheet. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something we knew about John Collins before this playoffs at all. And like you know, we've been very hot and cold on John Collins, and we can talk about that probably at a later date. But well, we but, were arguing um, about in the
1: text thread this week about
0: paying. We him. were, and 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 we don't have to like litigate that because we'll probably litigate that a million times before before the off season. But mm-hmm. um, but it's it's such a big thing to learn that that guy not only. Not only can he be part of a winning team, he can be part of the reason that team is winning, like even without yeah. putting up 25 a game, um, even without, you know, running the offense through him. Um, and and he's talking about think, realizing that
1: is I think that was part of the disconnect with him and Trey was he which wanted, is such he a bel- big
0: thing. Yeah. Like we talk about playoff experience and like how va- like like, you know, getting your feet wet in your first playoffs and like that is the value you see it right there when he says stuff like that like that's not something he would have said in any of the last you know 3 years right um and and i think that's the real value is like him the light bulb going on for him that he doesn't have to be the alpha like that that he likes winning more than being the alpha
1: mhm or just getting a shot and like knowing that this offense and this team is wins more when you are not a vocal point and when you are just a supporting cast member like but that's a hard thing for guys who are looking for that next contract and just it's a business ultimately. And it's tough to sacrifice that way. And uh, it's it's harder to sacrifice. I think when you're losing, because you're like, why am I taking shots away from me to give to Trey when we're losing anyway? And I think that was part of the disconnect too, is just how terrible this team was. Um, before their offseason additions and before the Nate McMillan switch, but like I think now that you, they're just winning, like it's kind of contagious, and it's like, oh, so this, I I'm okay with it now. So I actually think I understood where he was coming from before and now.
2: Yeah, I mean he he, he played pretty well in that in that second round. I mean I'm looking at these numbers. 50, he averaged 15 and 10. He had a couple days where he was eh, kind of average, but I think I, I, Max honestly, I think he said it best. I mean he's found his role. Especially in this playoffs. I mean, going for 15 and, and, and or 23 and 15 is just unbelievable. Like, that's fantastic. He did exactly what he needed to do, especially once Milwaukee went to that small ball lineup, because that's where he can feast. Because Great. Clint Capella, if you can get Clint Capella in the middle and just dominate PJ Tucker, then <laughs> there's, there's not a soul on that Milwaukee Bucks that can out rebound John Collins. The dude's got hops. You can get up in the air, and and you can you saw that when he was on the offensive boards and getting critical, critical rebounds. Now I don't think that the the Bucks are going to do that again in the late going like they did last time. I mean I think that's going to be one of the adjustments that uh, Coach Bud makes. Uh, even though he's he has shown a history of being extremely stubborn in making adjustments, um, he'll just continue to bang his head against the wall until something breaks through, whether it's his head or the wall. But <laughs> that's just Coach Bud. But I think if he does go to that small ball lineup again, John Collins is going to feast, and and I think that's that's the role that he's found in this offense. He can come out as long as he can hit his, hit, hit that three point shot a little bit more consistently. He's been very average there. He's been uh, hovering in the twenties. If he can get that up into the thirties, mid thirties, honestly, the Hawks can win the series, and I think that's going to be one of the major X factors.
0: Well, yeah, I mean the the Bucks are going to adjust tonight, and and they did adjust in the fourth quarter with Giannis at the five, and everyone's talking about Giannis at the five, Giannis at the five. Um, and if they go to that, um, that's that's where John Collins can be a focal point of the offense. Like, they're probably going to, um, you know, the way they, they tried to stif- stifle Trey at the end with the switching. If you get switches with John Collins, like, he can hit that face-up jumper. He can hit that face-up floater. Um, and he can also dominate on the boards. Like, if Giannis is out there, you know, guarding Trey on the perimeter, like, who's going to box out John Collins? Like, P.J. Tucker doesn't do anything for me. Um, and so, I, you know... The the, the frustration with John Collins is really that, like, because of the injuries, um, because Bogey's hurt, because DeAndre's hurt, we would really like for him to be a secondary creator. Um, And that's, I think we've kind of just come to realize that's not his game. You don't feed him and expect him to create the offense. And that's totally fine if the whole team was healthy. Um, But we're going to need games like game one from him probably every game we're going to win.
2: I mean, this is the playoffs. That's the playoffs. You're going to need players to step up, and I mean, the more guys that step up, I mean, the farther you're going to go. We can't have people disappear like they did a a couple games um, in in the first series, in the second series. John Collins, I mean, he's got to have a big series.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll have to see. Um, Changing gears a little bit, guys. Um, The Atlanta Braves have had a rough week, up and down in New York. Um, ending that on a happy note, but then last night they had to throw out an opener with Jesse Chavez, the 37 year old. Um, they lose to the Cincinnati Reds, the Reds, a couple of games over 500. The Braves cannot get over the 500 mark this season. It seems like what do we make of the last week of Braves
2: baseball, Garrett? (sighs) um, taking the back seat. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I, they can't get over 500 and look, it's, it, they're not, they're not going to unless they can figure out they can get, they just, it's the same thing we've been saying each week. Like I said with coach, Bud, we've just been banging our head against the wall just constantly <laughs> because this team just refuses to, to figure it out. Um, and yeah, Freddie Freeman's been, Freddie Freeman has been having a, a bit of a resurgence here, which has been kind of an encouraging sign. Uh, he's elevated that batting average just a little bit he's hit he's hit the long ball he's getting some good contact um I mean just the other day i think I think yesterday he hit like what a 440 foot home run he, he hit the he hit the cover off the ball so i think i mean this team potentially could get to 90 wins which i i, don't, I mean it's gets getting to the point where it's it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty tight it's gonna be pretty tight to get to that 90 win threshold because i mean what are what, what are we at now? 80, 80 wins so i mean yeah 80 ooh. they'd have to go what 50 win 50 go 50 and 25 or something over the next stretch mm-hmm. it's getting it's getting close it's getting close so they got it. if they're if they're gonna figure it out it has to be like right now and i just don't know how they're gonna do it anymore this week has just been a perfect example of that maybe they, this just is a 500 baseball team i don't even think they're a 500
1: team like i think they're probably a below 500 team um dance we said hitting well he uh I've enjoyed the work from Dan to be this week. He had a really good game on Wednesday um, against the Mets, but um, I don't know. It's just Riley's solid. You look at this group, William Contreras is having to do a lot. Um, Freeman, like you said, seating up a little bit. Acuna still playing lights out every Acuna hit, by the way, like even when he pops up to the outfield, one of my favorite things is just them getting wrong. Um, this week though, embrace baseball guys. I don't know if you had heard this, so, like Charlie Morton also, we need to talk about like just how dominant he's been in his last two starts, just like almost nearing 20 K's in two starts, uh, not walking anybody, just mowing down the order, like his high velocity, 98 to his, uh, sinker and curve balls have been great. Like Charlie Morton is, I think figuring it out this summer, which is huge because Fried going gone, the DL for blisters and Soroka not coming back till at least August, the absolute earliest. Um, and Drew Smiley, absolutely sucking. Um, i don't know i think uh it's all it's it's all a mess at the moment but um there is room for optimism where like i i think alex anthopolis is going to do something based on all the reading it seems like he is going to address the offense um kyle wright is a problem i think it this is the offseason the, the, not the offseason this is the summer that like i have circle where i'm like okay we now – like, they are now in a position where they have to make a – like, we have to trade Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, and or Tukey or whatever. Drew Waters or Christian Pache, like, one of those two have to go for a bigger bigger bat or a bigger arm. Like, this is when you go and call about Max Scherzer. This is when you go and you call about – um disgruntled outfielder a like this is this is what you do at this point because you have this draft capital you have to kind of do something like the farm system's in good shape like go go do something and go move on because like the idea that all these guys are going to work in this farm system we've talked about a lot on this podcast it's just not realistic so pick your Colby Allard and uh move on like make a trade for um Kyle Gibson who is The latest reclamation project in uh, Texas where they just go to starting pitcher rehab. Mike Miner, Lance Lynn, all those guys. They just do really great work with rehabilitating uh, old good pitchers. Um, Chris Medlin, let's send him over there. Like, who knows? Uh, (laughs) Old friend, Jair Jurgens. Can we get him in Texas? Bring him back? Uh, (laughs) That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Oh, (laughs) Jair Jurgens. I had the the Scherzi for him back in the day. I was a big Jair Dion's oh, guy. I've seen so many of his starts in my life. It's kind of weird. How many starts I've seen of, of him. But
0: but going back to that point um and and the point that Garrett made, like that's why this ha- this move has to happen now because you're you're pretty rapidly heading toward that point where you have to decide. I mean, obviously Anthopolis is going to do something, right? But you have to decide whether that something is sort of bandaging over the wound or like actually fixing it. Um right. And like addressing it, and addressing it obviously means going for one of those big fish you're talking about. But you can't really justify that if this team doesn't give you a reason to justify it. You can't be a four games under 500 and decide you're pushing your chips all in. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense now. Um, and so that's why this this move that we've been talking about, that we've been discussing, needs to happen now. Because sure, there're going to be minor fixes. There're going to be injury returns with Sirocco, with Freed. Um, with all these guys, you know, August, every, you know, could be everyone getting healthy. But it, it doesn't really matter because those are sort of bandages. Um, and, you know, maybe they sneak into the playoffs with, with a hot run like that. But you're not winning a World Series that way. Um, not with this team, at least. And so and that, and that point is coming quickly like that, that it will be decided in July. And here we are June 25th. Um, and so now really has to be the time.
2: And my quick math, actually, if, because the threshold, I think that what I was trying to get at, is like that threshold generally the past couple of years is, to get to the playoffs is like 90, it's the 95 wins or so. So really you got to get to that 90-win threshold, basically, to have a chance. And I just threw some quick math together, just like did it on my phone here real quick. But it's like the Braves will probably have to p- play close to 650 baseball <laughs> over the final stretch of the season to get to that 92-ish win threshold. I'm I'm getting to the point where I don't know if this team can actually do that because they they've just shown a complete inability to string together wins. Now that's not to say that they can't do that because you look at the Houston Astros they just they just strung together 11 straight. Now can the Braves do that? I, I don't know, but like Max said, the move has to be made sooner rather than later. We got to go find something. We need we need that spark that we've been talking about for two months. Um, Alex Anthopoulos, I mean, he's, he's got to do it. I'm, so I'm starting to think that it needs to come before this all-star break because that magic, if it doesn't come like very, very quickly, it might not come at all.
1: Also, the Giants have kind of screwed the Braves in another way. We're like, the Giants are just too good to disappear
2: down the stretch. Yeah.
1: So the mm-hmm. Do- Dodgers and Padres locked in for playoff spots, like they have those locked in. One of those teams are going to get a wild card spot and now the Giants will get the other one, it seems like. So you're playing for the NL East at this yeah. point and you have to like that's that's your only avenue and in the Fangraphs gives the Braves an 8.4% chance of winning the division as of this recording and a 3.5% chance of making the wild card game
2: see but that's actually one one reason why we might be fortunate that our division is so good because, I mean, you look at the the NL East and the NL West are by far the two best divisions in baseball. But the, the difference is... Oh, no, is, what? No, AL East is definitely... Well, up. National League. In the National League. Okay. In the National League, excuse me. Well, there's me, only sorry. three. Yeah, I know, but, the, uh, but, the, but, but you have the, two, the Central. Those are the clear two. Yeah, the Central, the Central is, is is not very good. Let's no, just put it that not. way. Yeah. The Central is terrible. Um, That's that's really my point, that I, that I really was not very effective. The NL Central either. sucks. The NL Central is dog shit, but outside of that... No, but I think but but what what I see in the NL East is a lot of parody. I mean even the Miami Marlins are a respectable team. The NL West is just those have those area, Pablo Lopez. They got uh, Sixo
1: Sanchez coming back when his shoulder's right. Jazz Chisholm's a
2: dude. The Marlins are coming. But the West the West is two absolutely terrible teams. We have five legitimate teams that are that are like all solid teams that can play good baseball on any given day uh and i think that might actually end up helping us because we might have the marlins take a game or two from the mets or 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 the phillies taking one from the national i don't i don't know i I mean so we might have a chance just because we're just gonna beat each other up so much
0: it doesn't Um, doesn't help much if you're if you're in third or fourth place in the division though
2: (laughs) yeah but it it does but we're only five and
0: a half back i mean i know but then you guys start jumping those teams that you're talking about can grab games off anyone it's true it's true it's gonna be tough it's gonna be a tough stretch and then
2: I don't. I hate to say it, but I'm starting to lose a little bit of hope. Mm. I mean,
1: I've lost hope for them winning anything real. I just, I'm so curious to see what they do at the deadline. I'm so curious to see how much pressure they get from the fan base and just what they what they do. Because I think this is a this is a bad bad situation. And um and you got Acuna and Albie's playing the way they are. Albie's just been amazing since May first, and he's just been a delight. That you have to you have to bounce back from the smiley um, Azuna debacle. Like you have to you have to bounce back from that. I would love Daniel Bard as an option to beef up the bullpen, uh, guys. I, I think his story's been really great and to see like Rex Brothers figuring it out to like five years away in Chicago and um, Bard's been awesome the last two years in Colorado. So he's someone I would probably target at the deadline as well. You can never have too many relievers. The last thing on uh, the Falcons, Hennessy versus Dahlman the Falcons center job is heating up this summer guys. What uh what do you make of this battle and who do you want to see win it, Max?
0: I think the natural inclination is to say and and to be fair, uh to be fair to to this entire discourse, uh, <laughs> I've not been focused as much on Hennessy Dalman uh mini camp
1: giving grind the
0: tape on the on the Hawks, you know, and their their greatest run in franchise history. But um the natural inclination is to say Dalman because he's the guy who um was picked by the by the new uh new administration right so it's Mm -hmm. like Hennessy was a fit a scheme fit for the last you know Dimitrov draft and um and so it's sort of in vogue to say Dahlman's gonna take it from him I'm not sure I'm there yet um especially because the scheme that that Hennessy supposedly fits best is not all that dissimilar from what I think Arthur Smith's gonna run um I, I you know beyond that like like I don't really care is my answer because I think that if it you know both of them are promising center prospects and so one of them wins the job that signals to me that they went and got it right mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a, a non answer of course but like I'm not like if if Hennessy doesn't win it or if Dolman doesn't win it like that's a bad sign I think it's a good sign almost no matter what.
2: I actually tend to agree, yeah, and, and I, I think the, the the center the battle for the center position is going to be one of the most interesting battles uh, of the off season, and, and I really think that's going to really start to heat up. Come come, I don't know when does camp open? July twentieth ish, is it something like that? I I don't know, but that sounds right. it's yeah, it sounds about right, but. Once it comes, once, once camp actually comes, I mean, th- I think that's going to be really one of the most exciting battles, just because I think I, I, I love the center position. I think it's it's quite possibly the most important position on the field outside of quarterback, or at least on the offense, um, because they they pretty much run the offense, the offensive line. I mean, like it's it's, a, it's an incredibly important position, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but still, I just feel like I need to reiterate that. So I'm, that's going to be one that I'm going to be watching very closely. Um, and like Max, I have been focusing very heavily on Hawks and. <laughs> And Braves more so than Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons, <laughs> but uh, I'll be getting there. I'll be getting there when my when my emotions start to turn to football. And but ultimately, I think that's going to be a really exciting position battle. Um, but
0: it also it also should be said that, um, and this is one other point, is that Hennessy, you know, was drafted with the impulse, the the, the uh, intention of learning from Alex Mack for a year and then playing. Um, so all of this sort of like. You know frustration or whatever you might want to call it about his lack of you know getting in you know he didn't really play his rookie year very much mm-hmm. um that's part of the plan and and it's also like you know maybe he did gain a lot from Alex Mack, who is you know one of the mo- one of the best centers in the n f l the last fifteen years um which is also important to keep in mind so so I guess I'm saying we're coming into this with basically no priors, and so I have no reason to to say um one of these guys absolutely should not win this job. Uh, and Hennessy where I'm coming from. Hennessy
2: also has some, some flexibility as far as what position he can play. He can put, he can, he can bump over there, and play guard right. if we need him to. Uh, cause he did that last year and he was, he was fine. Um, when he did play over there, I mean, he was, he, he showed some growing pains, but I mean, he's a good player. He's a good player. He was one of the top rated, uh, interior linemen of the, of the draft last year. Uh, and I, and I was really excited about him as a prospect when we, we went and got him at a temple, I believe. Um, it was second round pick second third round pick I but I mean third. I think third yeah so I think he was a I think he still has potential to, to grow into the position and and look it's gonna be a big battle um and I honestly I think I think this offensive line will be a lot better than it was last year and I think Arthur Smith is going to be able to uh, I, I think he's gonna be a big reason for that
1: yeah but we'll see we'll see um last thing on the Falcons they promoted some people to senior uh, executive levels uh, not kept a lot of Dimitrov dudes um, when I was running through it Rustin Weber and Phil Emery both former GMs of the Titans and Bears respectively um, got promoted to senior roles Kevin Cohn's back with the organization after working in ops with Georgia Tech and former receiver for the Falcons a long time ago to be the player development director um, but yeah they're moving some area scouts up some people down a lot of scouting uh, involved here and a lot of, lot of different people. But he has a couple of his own guys that he brought in, but uh, Terry Fondant is keeping a lot of Dimitrov area guys. And uh, I don't know. I think that's a little little fascinating. What about you, Garrett?
2: Uh, I don't know. I don't really know enough on the inside. The, the inside of, of an organization like that is, is still it's it's really going to be pretty dark just because they're not going to really reveal anything. It's like who makes what decisions and, and um, who found who. I think that's really more speculation for people like me in the media, um, but honestly, I mean, if he's comfortable with these guys, then I'm comfortable with them. I mean, just because Terry Fontenot is, I mean, I'm going to trust in, in, in Terry until he gives me reason not to. Um, so, really, I, I, I don't. I'm not informed enough to have it an,
0: an opinion. Really, here's here's what I'd say though. Um, one of the big looming questions over the whole GM search process was like. What's the deal here with Rich McKay still hanging around, reporting yeah. to Rich McKay, who reports to Arthur Blank, and what's the hierarchy there? I don't want to say it's like a red flag that a lot of these guys are st- mm. are sticking around, but it, it does at least, I mean, it has to indicate some degree of, of influence that Rich McKay still has mm-hmm. in all this. Um, and I don't want to, like, you know, a- again, like, Garrett's right, like, it's it's all sort of speculative. We don't really know. But these these aren't because those probably weren't Dimitrov guys, and they're not Fontno guys. They're probably right. McKay guys, right? Um, mm. Those are long. You know, that makes, a, guys. Lot <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that makes so, a lot of sense. Right. So, I'm not. You know, it's enough to raise an eyebrow. Um, but we, you know, we don't have reason to like get mad about it. Um, but it's enough to question, like, hey, um, maybe those personnel choices were uh, influenced um, beyond Fontno. That's all.
1: There you go. well Red helmets too. Oh, I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited.
2: <laughs> those are coming back. I'm so I'm so ready for that. I'm I sure. I, have a, I have another group. Have my my uh, group texted some high school buddies. We've been going back and forth, but we always wanted that the, those red helmets just on the jersey on the on the new jerseys. And they just released that. Yes, was it yesterday. I think they announced that we can go to the the secondary helmets. Man, I'm ready for it.
0: Does that Does that balance out trading the best player in franchise history for a second round pick? Probably right like that's sort of an equal (laughs) uh uh uh, we have cap space which is exciting oh
2: (laughs) so exciting exciting. (laughs) oh god yeah I mean, it was nice to sign the rookies right
1: yeah good to have rookies yeah it's good to have
0: rookies
1: (laughs) i like it i like it all right well for those guys, Garrett Chapman and Max Markovich down there in Atlanta, for myself up here in Knoxville, Tennessee, that is all we've got today. Email us at podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions you would like us to ever answer on this very podcast, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you are an Apple Podcast listener, Garrett and mostly Max would greatly appreciate it. Uh, follow Max <laughs> at Max underscore Markovich. Follow Garrett at GChapATL. Is that correct? That's it. That's it. Uh, Myself at Chase Double Unscrew Thomas. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Fingers crossed for tonight with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Guys, enjoy the game, and uh, we will talk next week.
0: Can't wait. Hawks in seven. (laughs) Hawks in five. Hawks in four. What are you talking about?